is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 229, Airplane Owner Maintenance, with Dean Showalter, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, folks, welcome to the show about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Today, I have a special guest, Gene Showalter. He's the host of the Airplane Owner Maintenance Podcast. You know, Dean's podcast has a plethora of information for the aircraft owner who takes an active role in aircraft maintenance. I'm really excited to have Dean on the show to discuss how you can benefit from becoming more engaged in your aircraft maintenance. But before we get started, let's move on to the pre-flight checklist. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to pursue a career in aviation as a pilot, air traffic controller, mechanic, or dispatcher? Or do you just want to earn that commercial or instrument rating, but you need help paying for it? The Aerospace Scholarships Guide at AviationCareersPodcast.com has over $50 million in available scholarships. Many of these go unused because people don't apply for them. For just $10, you'll receive a full-year subscription to the guide, which is updated monthly. Every scholarship is personally verified to make sure it's accurate and still available. More information is at AviationCareersPodcast.com. Our sponsor, Aviation Careers Podcast, again has a scholarships, career coaching, and interview prep. This month, we have some updates, three of them, to the scholarships and also 60 new scholarships in that scholarships guide. Also, something else that we're doing new here at uh, Stuck Mike Avcast, people have asked how they can they can help out uh, with the podcast. And one of the ways is, um, you know, the money that comes in, we put towards the scholarships guide. We set up a, a Patreon account. You can become a patron of the podcast and we will give away a scholarships guide for every $10 that we raise from Patreon. You really can make a difference in someone's aviation journey by becoming a patron of the podcast. To find out more, just go to patreon.com slash Aviation or click on the link on the right side of the website there. It really does help people. We have over $50 million in scholarships updated once a month. I work on it, but primarily uh, have Alicia, who's the new scholarships coordinator, is doing a great job updating everything. Uh, also, news and announcements. We have our next live event at Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo. That's March 31st to April 25th of 2020. Very excited to be there. The crew at the Stuck Mike Avcast will be on the deck. Of course, some of the folks from Aviation Careers Podcast will be there. Uh, We talked about having a booth last year, but this year we're going to be going out and doing some of the field interviews. Uh, So uh, if you see us, say hi. We'll be in the orange shirts. Make sure you come along and, uh, you know, give us some input. Tell us why you like the podcast. Get a selfie with us. And don't forget, hashtag Stuck Mike Selfie uh, to see you out there in social media. Anyway, on with the show in our cruise flight. Now entering cruise flight. Well, today I have Dean Showalter and... He is a, a really amazing podcaster through his podcast, Airplane Owner Maintenance Podcast. And it's a great show if you are an aircraft owner uh, or, if, or if you're a mechanic, too. You can learn so much from Dean from both looking at his we- website at airplaneownermaintenance.com and also listening to the podcast that's right there on the website. I've learned quite a bit. Uh, some of the issues I've had with my airplane, he has great pictures. I would highly recommend you going out there and looking at the show notes because he has some awesome pictures i'm sure i'm sure he's taken those with maybe a a cell phone or something else but he really does a great job of describing certain issues and uh will help you definitely if you want to get more involved in your owner maintenance hey dean welcome to the show man hello carl hey thank you so much this is such a privilege to talk with you well, Dean, this is a uh, likewise. I think one of the things that we both have in common is we're incredibly passionate about aviation and uh, helping people through the aviation journey. Whether it's you know with the other podcast careers or here with Stuck Mike Avcast, talking to the folks that uh, do the flying and actually are owners of aircraft. And you, you're one that. 
uh, got inspired to put together a podcast about maintenance. So uh, first of all, just a little bit of background on you. You are both a mechanic and also a pilot. So tell us a little bit about uh, your journey to the flight deck, how you got involved with actually flying airplanes first, and then we'll talk a little bit about maintenance. Sure, that sounds good. Well, uh, my wife and I, Maria and I, got married in 1991, and then shortly after that, we were off to Tennessee, northeast Tennessee, where I went to school at Moody Aviation. And so the whole first year was A&P school, and then the second year and third year were a combination of flight training and maintenance experience. So I, I got to thank my wife because Maria worked as a home health nurse in Tennessee there and paid my way through aviation school. So I'm deeply indebted to her for that. Um, 1994, we left Tennessee and moved back to Virginia here. And I didn't have a lot of flying time, 300 and some hours or so. But I could get a job as an A&P. So I got a job at Classic Aviation in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. We are at Sierra Hotel Delta. And I had no idea at the time that I'd be there that long, but I've been there for 25 years, mostly turning wrenches, but I've gotten to do a fair amount of flying along with that. Also, uh, one of the big items that I did years ago was some low-level waterfowl survey in a Cessna 172. It was the old military version T-41 with the IO-360 Continental engine in it. So that was some of my flying along the way and some other things, moving airplanes from here to there. And then uh, about four years ago, I got interested in podcasting, and I took a course to learn how to do that. And the podcast has opened up the aviation world even so much more to me. It has been so inspiring to learn about all the people out there. I've found out about amazing people like you, Carl, and so many others. I I think of... um, Chris Palmer in Alaska, um, John and Leslie Cobble I've gotten to know in Hawaii, and all these amazing people out there. And then I, I, I don't know if you'll want to talk about it at all, um, at, at all later on, but this year, 2019, was my first time to be able to go to Oshkosh. Oh, and wow. I went there and signed up for a to give a presentation, a presentation about exhaust valve bore scoping and lapping. And that was just the, the the whole Oshkosh thing was such an incredible experience. But I love podcasting in general and aviation. Uh, it, it has just opened up so many opportunities, and I, I've I've become more aware of so many people out there that are doing incredible things, um, like yourself. So. That's a little bit about me. Um, Yeah, uh, if you want any more information about any of that stuff, I'd be happy to go into more detail. Yeah, actually, uh, looking at your flying, you really, you said 300 hours, but now you've done quite a bit in the past few years. So you're you're well past it. I think you said you have, what, 1,300 hours or so? 1,300 and some now, yes. Yeah, so you're pretty fairly active. That's pretty good for over the years. And uh, you were talking about moving aircraft and some of the survey. And that's really – there are so many cool things that we do in aviation that we don't talk about much, and, and we should, that there's, uh, you know, going out – like I did some marine mammal surveys and stuff like that. There's so many cool things you can do with your pilot Absolutely. certificate. Yeah, even if you're not doing it uh, professionally as a pilot, that's for sure. But uh, I tell you, I'm kind of jealous of about the whole Oshkosh thing is uh, I have the curse of Oshkosh. I never have been to Oshkosh on the ground. I've flown wow. over the air show twice, and okay. uh, but never actually landed there. I've never actually driven through there, and I'm trying to make it there. So, um, But that course that you gave about bore scoping and all the other courses that you've done, that's actually a, a big part of what you do. You teach people through this podcast about aviation and aircraft maintenance. And probably, you know, one of my favorite things about your show is that you actually go through a problem, like as an example, like a fuel leak. I just recently had a fuel leak, actually. And it was so cool to, to look at your pictures. And I'm like, I'm relating to this. Like, oh, man, that's happened to me. And uh, certain things have never happened to me. But I see the picture and say, well, if that happens, I'm going to learn from that. Uh, so that's kind of something that I really think is neat that you focused on that. So what can someone expect? It's, they're going to expect uh, those type of stories. And what else when they go to, to listen to your podcast? 
Uh, well, <clears throat> yes, my job, at, I work full-time at Classic Aviation at the local maintenance shop here. And so a lot of my stories that I share in the podcast come from actual maintenance experiences on airplanes. So uh, I, I've been grateful for that job there because it gives me a lot of great things to talk about. And I think that's one thing that has so connected with people out there because there are airplane owners who experience similar things that I am working on in the shop. And so then they can learn from them and apply them to their own situation. But what I really love, absolutely love to do, is I love to discover and I love to also train other people to do this, whether it's owners or mechanics. Um, I love to notice and discover things that need attention now so that we can prevent an in-flight problem or emergency later. That is what I really absolutely love to do. So here's an example. We have an SR-22 Cirrus in the shop right now. I'm doing an annual inspection on this airplane, and the engine was just recently overhauled. It doesn't have even maybe 50 hours since it was rebuilt. And so this engine got put back in this airplane, and now it's time for me to do the annual inspection on it. So it's it's a super nice airplane. It was a fantastic overhaul and rebuild. Um, but we're always looking for the things that, that need attention. Well, one little thing, I noticed that one of the fuel lines was chafing on the induction tube. So that's just a small thing, but we don't want to let that go over a long period of time. And then here's another one. On the alternator, number one, on the front right side of the engine, it's one of those gear-driven alternators. And one thing that I notice on airplane engines especially is colors that will indicate something. Well, I looked at this alternator, and I noticed that on the output terminal, there was some gray dust around this area. And to me, that indicates something. It just immediately tells me something is not quite right here, most likely. So I grabbed that terminal, and I realized I could wiggle it up and down a little bit. Well, the thing is that the nut that holds that wire terminal onto the alternator, that one was tight. But when I took that off, the base nut that holds the stud into the alternator housing was loose. And so over a, it, it was not a problem. The alternator is functioning just fine. But over a long period of time, this could cause a real in-flight problem if it's not addressed. And so that's how uh, I, I love to find those kind of problems early before they become a problem in flight, like a failed alternator. And then back to the borescoping thing, I, I absolutely love to dig into borescoping and to teach people about borescoping. And that is an area where we can poke that borescope down in the spark plug hole at the inspection and look especially at the exhaust valve. That is the most important thing that I want to look at in there. And we can discover a, an exhaust valve that is beginning to burn and do something about it before it becomes a problem. And here's an interesting, here's a fun thing, Carl. I bet you my wife could even sell you a borescope tonight because of what she has heard me talk about. So that would be fun <laughs> if she could if she could present that to you. Well, I, I believe it because, you know, honestly, I've been sold on borescoping. I, you know, it's amazing how far technology has come with borescopes and the fact that you can actually, with a borescope, you can take pictures, you can move around better than you used to with the old borescopes. Yes. And they're not as expensive as you would think. Um, but even... Even at that, I mean, just think about this. We we were almost flying blind, you know, because of the fact we didn't go in and borescope our engines as much as we do now because of this technology. I never really realized it until, you know, working with a mechanic just like yourself saying, holy cow, this is terrific. I actually yes. I am looking at the exhaust valve. I'm not thinking about it. I'm looking at it. And, yeah. I, and, and you can, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can actually take pictures and even video if you want. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fantastic. Yes. So the aircraft owner is thinking right now, you know, one of the things that you said, and just to back up a second, if you don't mind, you talk about coming out of maintenance and having an annual done. And uh, one of the things that I feel as an owner of an aircraft is that when something comes out of maintenance, I'm really cognizant to anything that might be different because of the mm -hmm. fact that 
you know, not to say anything bad about mechanics, but that's usually when the problems happen is when something comes out of maintenance. You know that, you know, as a, as a pilot, you really want to do maybe a, a, a much more thorough post-flight after yes. something comes out of maintenance. Also, I think, too, and I'd like to get your advice on this, you know, when something does come out of the shop, I think it's a good idea to talk to your mechanic. Say, hey, what's going to be different? Uh, so I'd like to get your feelings on that. You know, what does someone do, you know, after it's come out of maintenance? Is, is there any suggestions you might have to me, the aircraft owner? Well, I, I think you're well on the way in some things that you're already thinking for sure. Absolutely. The, the time when it comes out of maintenance is a time to do an extra thorough pre-flight inspection for sure, because something may have changed. And so that is absolutely one of the biggest times to be extra thorough and you're looking over the airplane um, and then like you said I, I hadn't so much thought about that one but that's an excellent idea is just to ask your AMP um, what should I expect to be different that's really, really good and then another step would be if you notice something that doesn't seem quite right when you go back and talk to the mechanic if you go in there with the attitude of you are trying to discover what is going on, that's going to take you a lot farther than if you go in there with an accusing tone. If you go in and ask, <laughs> yeah. what did you do to my airplane, you're going to put him on edge right away. So, yeah, that would be a couple things I would think about. Yeah, and, and we'll go back to the borescope, by, by the way, in a second, because I'm, I'm a huge fan now of borescopes. But um, the, the going into the maintenance shop in general, when you're talking to a mechanic, sometimes it's difficult. You know, I work as an airline pilot, and one of the most important things is describing what's happening, and that's actually, in and of itself, is a skill. To tell your mechanic, mm, you yes. know, this is, uh, I had this happen, and it made this noise, and it turned this color is really important. You don't realize that, and and that's all you need to do. Don't. Sometimes it's bad to suggest things to them while you're talking. Not that it's there's anything yes, wrong totally with that, but I, I think it's good to just give them the symptoms first. Yeah, and you just reminded – somehow I was reminded of something that one of our really great customers has done for me, just did it for me recently. And with the technology we have in these cell phones these days, here's one of the very best things you can possibly do. You are sitting there flying along at your cruising altitude in your airplane, and you maybe notice something on the instrument panel that doesn't seem quite right. Pull out your phone and take a picture or maybe even take a video. Because he showed me, he took a video of his engine monitor, and then he described for me what he was doing in turning the alternator off one at a time in his twin Cessna. And I could see exactly what, he, I could hear what he was doing, and I could see what the voltage was doing as he did it. So that that is a fantastic tool. You know, I, I love that you brought that up, because... I take pictures of everything that goes wrong with my cell phone. And I've actually been at a remote location where my mechanic said, hey, why don't you send me the pictures? And I'm like, okay, here you go. And it took like a couple minutes. He's looking at a picture of my airplane and he's troubleshooting it. And yeah. I, that is. Yeah. And what's really cool, it's like having a mechanic right next to you in the cockpit, like you just said with the videos. Um, yeah. So really, really cool stuff. But uh but in talking to your mechanic, like I said, it's important to give them symptoms. I don't think there's anything wrong with telling them what you think it might be, but it also, yes. the, the only problem with that is you lead them down the wrong path. I totally screwed up a description the other day, and I told them what I th the, where the leak was, and I was trying to describe that it was close to the fuel selector, but that's not really what I should have said. I should have said it's it's underneath the plane where the fuel selector would be located in the cockpit. And I was trying to tell him, I said, well, is there a leak in your fuel selector? I was like, no. See how I confused it by just mentioning fuel selector? I should not have even okay, said that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So so we sometimes do that. We we mess up the, the whole description, even when we're writing things down. And it's really important yeah. to, to talk with your mechanic in that way. But, um, but anyway, I digressed a little bit. I want to go back to the borescoping thing. And I want to know why, in your opinion, that this is such a, a great tool. And also, I want you to uh, tell me a little bit about something that you've done to help other people understand more about borescoping. 
Sure, absolutely. And uh, can I can I ask you? Can I back up and just sure, clear up one yeah. other little thing before we get into that? Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about that alternator and what I was describing on that. I I am not trying to accuse somebody of the way they installed that thing. I'm really not. Um, but what I I have noticed this principle so many times on electrical components, whether it's an alternator or a starter or a terminal block of some kind, a relay. If there is a stud and there's a nut that holds that in place and then a wire gets installed on top of that and then another nut, I think many times what happens is when people take something apart, and it's happened to me, when you turn that top nut to take the wire off, it also loosens the one underneath it. And the really important thing is to make sure that base nut is tightened back up before putting the wire on and tightening the top nut. So anyway, I just wanted to say I'm not trying to accuse anybody of not installing that thing properly. It's it's such an easy thing to do to have that happen. Um, so I just wanted I, I'm to clear glad, that up. I'm glad you brought that up because a, a lot of what we talk about, even on this podcast, is it, we're talking about situations that happen. Either uh, something happened due to maintenance or something happened because we didn't do maintenance. Uh, what we're trying to do is really learn from these, these situations yes. more than point of finger at anybody and that's sometimes that's hard to do isn't it like with your podcast is is just you know this is a situation and we want to learn from the situation we don't want to point fingers at anybody we want we want ourselves to become better pilots and better mechanics better troubleshooters through the situation absolutely yes most definitely but anyway, okay, going back so to what we talked about, it, the the, yeah, the whole uh, boroscoping, uh, we got a little off track on the boroscope, but I, I really want people to understand that this is something you should talk to your mechanic about, and this is something that you could actually uh, even own yourself, because, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about owner maintenance in a second, but you actually have a course that teaches people about boroscoping, and you're able to help people, and it's not that expensive to take the course, uh, and I think it's a video course online, so tell us a little bit about why you think boroscoping is is really important. I know we touched on a few things. And also, as far as the owner's concerned, what I could do to learn more maybe through this course. Well, uh, wow, Carl, you just put some good pressure on me there. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll take that. Uh, actually, I do not have the course produced yet, but oh, it, is, no. it is in my heart <laughs> to produce it. Okay. So, so I, th- I saw a video. Um, I guess that was just a video. It wasn't actually a course where then I saw somewhere online that you had done or something like that or okay, talking about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it might have been, but I definitely want to do that because I see the big need for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do have is I have some podcast episodes that talk about borescoping and lapping exhaust valves, which that's kind of an area that there's a lot of debate in. Mm-hmm. But to stick to the borescoping, um, that I have become thoroughly convinced in recent years, and it's only been maybe in the last year or two that I have been very, very much a believer in doing a boroscope inspection with every inspection because there – and I used to think that, okay, this problem mainly exhaust valves and have had to change more cylinders on Continental engines than Lycoming's. But in recent uh, – in re- a couple of recent years here, I have seen some problems with Lycoming valves as well. And so – I am such a firm believer in borescoping because it is the best way to to really accurately discover a burning exhaust valve that needs attention. It either needs to be removed or in some cases if we detect it early, very early, we might be able to lap the valve and put a new rotator on it and salvage it for a while longer. But I, I, I have learned from Mike Bush that a compression tester will lie to you, but a borescope never will. And so we get an absolutely accurate picture of that valve when we stick the borescope in there. Whereas with the compression test, and one of when I did my presentation at Oshkosh, one of the most compelling things that I show in there is pictures. And this is where my wife was sold. She watched me practice in here in the living room before I went to Oshkosh. And when she saw the valves that had either a crack or a chunk out of the edge, but they still had a compression test of at least 60 out of 80, that is such a clear indicator to know that we absolutely have to have the borescope along with the compression tester. And to the point that I, I shared a, a little, a little uh, hypothetical scenario that if I was on the coast of 
California, getting ready to fly to Hawaii, and I had to choose a tool. And it, I could either choose the compression tester or the borescope that I'm going to choose the borescope over the compression tester. So that's uh, something I've been digging into a lot, learning about, and just having a great time learning as much as I can about it and teaching other people about it. <laughs> and by the way, I, I put together, maybe what yeah. you're thinking about is I put together, yeah, I put together a, exactly, a borescoping guide. And actually, this is a free resource. People can just go grab it. If you go to airplaneownermaintenance.com slash exhaust valves, then you can just plug in your name and email there, and you'll you'll get this free guide. Now, not all the pictures in there are taken with a borescope, but some of them are. And me being a picture junkie, I like to take pictures before and after a cylinder is removed. So some of them are taken with a borescope, and others are taken to show very clearly what that exhaust valve looked like after it was removed. So that's exactly the course I was t- thinking about. I think the other course I was thinking about, and we'll talk about that in, the, in a minute, is about safety wiring. But uh, this, this I called it a course, but yes, it's a guide, and it is invaluable. I I love your Thank pictures, you. by the way. You great, you take great photos, and uh, and I love I love how you expand and you take it out of the airplane, you show it to us, and uh, it, it just from what I've learned just yes. from this. I mean, you know, the old pictures are worth a thousand words. It's true, but you combine the words in this and. And uh, so maybe you could turn that no, into a video. No, I needed, so I needed I to be put on the spot. I got to <laughs> so. get my rear end gear on this one. <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah, it's sorry to put you on the spot on that one. But with that said, I think everybody should download this guide. It really is good, and it's not that it doesn't take long to go through. Uh, but you should kind of go through it a couple times, look at the pictures, and uh, their color pictures, and those photos that you took were actually done. You did them yourself in the borescope, uh, which I think right there is is a, a testament to to actually getting yourself one of these. Now, as far as a borescope is concerned, just so people kind of know, what kind of a cost is the owner going to have if they oh, decide man, they want to do is- this? such the fantastic thing about like you said the technology we have now back back in 2008 we bought a borescope in the shop there and it was about a thousand dollars and it would not take pictures and today you can get the one that i recommend the vividia va 400 you can get it for about two hundred dollars and then if you want to do like i do and display it on your iphone you need this other little air box that's not quite another hundred dollars so um, for 300 bucks, you can be having fantastic pictures. And here's what I love to do. I love to help airplane owners have this, this kind of technology and this kind of training and knowledge so that when you are flying your Piper along, you can have a mental picture of what your exhaust valves look like. Because I'm convinced that today most pilots probably cannot do that. And I really want to try to transform that whole scenario. Yeah, and I think you're doing that too. And and that is one of the things that I think is important about downloading this, obviously, on airplaneownermaintenance.com. The other thing, too, that um, you talk a lot about is owner maintenance, what we can and can't do. And um, obviously, we could talk for a long – we could do a whole presentation, a whole podcast on just what it yes. is you can do uh, as an owner. And uh, one of the things that – maybe you could just kind of quick summarize – uh, some of the misconceptions as far as what we can do as far as me being an owner or if I'm not an owner, an operator, whatever that may mean. If, say, uh, you know, you hear that all the time, the owner or operator can do certain things. So tell us a little bit about that. We won't go into the, the whole Absolutely. detail. There's a few In things fact, you can do, isn't there? You can do an amazing amount of things. There is the prevent the list of preventive maintenance items that the FAA has approved an airplane owner to be able to do on their own airplane. And there's a, a quite a list of items there, including things like changing the oil and cleaning fuel screens and changing tires and things like that. So there's that list. But there is also a lot that you can do. If you get some training, you can do other things that are not on that list as long as you have some A&P uh, supervision. So if you have a good friend who's an A&P that is willing to supervise your work, you can do all kinds of things. And I... I wish I had uh, dug up this resource 
um, I, I can try to find it sometime. Maybe if we talk again, I can have that ready. But recently, one airplane owner brought me a copy of an article that Mike Bush had written, and I can't remember. I think it may have appeared in the AOPA magazine a while back. And he pointed out even further about some things that airplane owners can do that – and. Some of that I was not aware of, but there was actually some sort of letter of approval written in response to someone's question about something on that list of preventive maintenance items. So, yes, as an airplane owner, you can, within reason and depending on how you work it out, you can do a lot of different things. You can be very involved. So, when we as an airplane owner are involved in our own maintenance we learn more about our airplane and thus i feel a lot of times become safer pilots but also safer operators of the aircraft and i think that's that's incredibly important and and obviously this along with your podcast that makes me a a safer pilot i look at stuff a lot differently now Uh, mike bush that you mentioned great uh he's got a great pot or excuse me great book uh many great books out there great articles and uh savvy uh actually i've used them for a a pre-buy inspection on one of the airplanes i purchased so just a just a and there's so many other people like yourself that do uh those type of inspections that um, really are conscientious about it. And you can learn so much from folks like, like you, the mechanic, et cetera. But something that I find one that people do, and we talked a little bit about this as far as describing things is what type of mistakes do owners make when they do become involved? Other than the fact that, yeah, we talked about, uh, you know, there's certain things that, you know, I don't describe properly. And that's just because, you know, yes. sometimes it happens. You know, you just say the wrong thing like I did with the fuel selectors. Ah, oh, man, that was so stupid. Why did I do that? And it, and it it made so much angst. It actually did postpone my maintenance by day because I said something like that. Um, but what do we do as, as owners when we become involved? But we don't want to turn wrenches. We want to work with you, the mechanic. What type of things... Uh, well, would help uh, you one of the first things that com- came to my mind in thinking about that is that one of the mistakes I think that is made, and this is not just in aviation maintenance, this is seemingly everywhere you go. It's not enough communication. So in this context, the mistake is not enough communication with your shop or your A&P. So I would just encourage airplane owners to stay in close communication with the A&P or the shop throughout the process. But the important thing in my mind is to set it up in the beginning. So you don't want to come into the shop halfway through your annual, let's say, and have all these surprises and questions about what's going on. For example, one thing you might ask is, what is the best way for me to communicate with you? Is it by phone? Is it text message? Is it email? What is that? And then you can work with them because uh, some here's a fun little thing that came to mind. One of my previous bosses in the past, honestly, he was a lot more friendly in text message than he was sometimes in person. So if you just find out the preferred method of, of communication, that could go <laughs> a long way. And uh, so communication is just a real key. A second thing I think that sometimes owners can make a mistake in is getting in a rut And isn't that also true in all of life? And so one thing that I would recommend that airplane owners do is to just take your airplane somewhere else for the annual inspection every few years. Um, This Cirrus that I'm doing right now in the shop, he's had his airplane done somewhere else for many, many years. And I I just walked out there one morning when he flew in and suggested to him that maybe it'd be good to get a fresh set of eyes on it and he took me up on that offer so he brought it in for us to look at this year so um, I would encourage people to just not get in a rut and maybe every once in a while it's it's good to get someone else to look at the airplane honestly I I I try to do excellent inspections on every airplane every, every airplane I look at but I like it when someone takes it to someone else sometimes because I know that someone else may notice things that I just don't see. And then here's a here's an interesting one that you might not have thought about. I I consider this maybe it's not a mistake, maybe it's just more of a nuisance. And that is leaving a a load of 
stuff in your airplane when you take it into the maintenance shop. And in my mind, it's not so much that you think they're going to take something, but it's just a it's just a nuisance for us to have to remove all the extra stuff and trash and headsets and boxes and all this stuff out of the airplane for maintenance, especially for the annual. So if you can get all your stuff out of the airplane, it's just going to simplify the process when they have to go through it in the shop. Oh, that's some that's some really good advice uh, because you know I usually what I try to do is get a, a box and have that box have all that kind of stuff in there and just say hey guys just take that out of the airplane I need it sure. to fly there and back and just put it aside or whatever but uh, but boy you're right I mean yeah. when I first got this one airplane there was stuff yeah. everywhere and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> we got to put this in a box I so could just take the box and throw it out of the airplane that kind of thing uh, but that hey you know that's some that's some awesome advice as far as getting ready uh, to bring your plane to a mechanic um, especially when you're getting ready for an, an annual that type of thing but one of the things that I admire mechanics uh, it, it, uh, most about a mechanics is uh, a good diagnostician. In other words, somebody can diagnose a problem uh, in an airplane. I was so fortunate. My first instructing job, they owned a maintenance shop, and the guys were so friendly, uh, letting me come into the shop. And I'd say, "Hey, what was that problem? You know, why did that valve stick? Say, or and how did you come to the conclusion that that's what it was?" And they'll go through it with me. I'm like, "This is awesome," because then I can pass that along to somebody else. As, as far as your opinion on that, do you think that, in general, are most shops open to that? Or is it, again, going back to that communication and having that relationship with your mechanic that maybe opens that door to, hey, yeah, you Boy, that's a really a great question. Here? And I, man, I, uh, our, our shop is very friendly to people coming in and talking about things. Um, I get the impression that a fair number of shops are not that way. So, um I guess it just depends on the policy of the given shop and, and also the personalities of the people in there. Um, I think it's not that way. Certainly, a lot of places you go, a lot of times A&Ps and, and shop personnel don't seem to want the airplane owners in there. Uh, for me, I always like it. I, I, in fact, when I have a list of discrepancies, let's say I'm inspecting your airplane, if I have a list of items that, that I want to communicate with you about – I feel strongly that the very best way for me to do that is if you can stop by and we can walk around the airplane together and actually look at these things. So that brings up a good point. When you are looking for a maintenance shop, if this is something that interests you, which I think it, it's very valuable if you are interested in this, is to just specifically look for a shop that is friendly to having you come in and, and look at things and be involved in the process. I have a... An autom My family has been – we have found a new automotive shop down the road from us, and uh, Philip Shank is the guy's name. He is absolutely the my favorite automotive mechanic, and just the other day, he let me walk in his shop down there. He showed me exactly what happened to my truck engine and why it had to come out of there, and he had to put another one in, and uh, he's so – uh, he, he's so open to that type of thing that I am comfortable to send my wife and my daughters down there by themselves. So I always like it when maintenance personnel can be friendly to having owners come in. Yeah, that, and <laughs> you're, that's where you're getting your new Jasper well, engine, I think I heard. So that. That, that's kind of going to be interesting to, to hear that. That's that's. <laughs> so that that'll be your another another show you know for for the the, the mechanic podcast <laughs> and you know so much ties in there doesn't it between the maintenance on your car and the maintenance in an airplane and having that interest um but you know i hear this from a lot of people it's like i really don't have an interest in in maintenance but i think as you we've heard here it, it that doesn't matter you don't have to but right. becoming involved in the maintenance doesn't mean you have to turn wrenches it's just working with your mechanic and and saying to them, hey, this is what my problem is, and how do I prevent this by operating the aircraft properly? Um, and I think that's that's super important. But I love what you said as far as is going to the maintenance shop and mm -hmm. talking to them. Because like you said, a lot of them don't want you in there. Um, and I get it, you know, and, and it really – and that sometimes – 
is something that you have to really be careful of and weigh when you walk in a shop and you see the guys are they look frustrated, right, they look busy. Right. That may not be the day to ask the question, you know, hey, can I watch you do this? But uh, if they're hanging out and they're talking, then I love to hear those stories. And w- that's actually one of the reasons that I really like your podcast is the fact that you tell those stories about, hey, this is what happened. This is, and you actually show a picture, um, which would actually be kind of cool to. Sh- if we could put it on on your podcast, you know some of the issues I've had, yes. like the oil leak and stuff like that, and kind of talk about those kind of things. Because um, yeah. I I recently had a fuel leak and we got this repaired and uh, really neat. Um, the the uh, DME services over in Winter Haven I have to give mm. a big shout out to him, uh, Mr. Alcorn. He is awesome. Uh, he does a lot of the, the exams uh, for okay. people becoming mechanics. He's not actually active as a mechanic, but. Um, what's interesting when you have a problem, this is just an example is, you know, I had a fuel leak and it's a 1961 Cherokee and that basket, it turns out that has had issues in the past. And it, what's really cool is suddenly you get all these people coming out of the woodwork and saying, oh, yeah, that happens. Yes. Oh, yeah, and this can happen, and that can happen. It's like, oh, my gosh. You know, there's all this information and this knowledge out there that I, I didn't even know about, and I didn't search it on the Internet. Wow. I actually went and talked to somebody. And that's what's kind of cool. You actually have this interaction, um, and they poured out all their knowledge to you and said, hey, Carl, I think you should get this gas collator instead because this is where your leak is. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and those are the kind of things that you get from going into a, a mechanic shop as an example, having that fuel leak and saying to them, you know, what should I do? Where should I go? And have those type of long conversations that sometimes we don't do now, I think, with the Internet. So with all that said, do you – as far as your opinion on the internet and what's out there, do you think it's really, is it been something that's helped you as a mechanic working with uh, some owners like myself? Um, Absolutely. It's It's helped me. Yes. And I hope it's helped all the owners too. And, and, um, uh, as far as working with you, if I ever had a chance to come to Florida and work on your airplane with you, I would, I would so jump for that opportunity. But anyway, um, yes, it's very great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. hey, we'll do a video on it. I like that idea. You heard it now. We're gonna we're gonna do that. Have you come by and, and we'll we'll kind of go over the airplane, go through through some things, and absolutely, uh, we'll do Let's some do shots. It. I think but, we're we're, we're yeah. committing to it but now. Yes, it's it's very good. <laughs> I I love working with airplane owners, and I know that not all A and P's love that, but it's one of the things that I've loved from from way back. So um, the the very first episode featured Leon and Winnie Joe Henning. In there, they have a Satabria, 1997 model Satabria that looks like it's brand new today. And anyway, I featured them, and and they just walked through the shop today. I just got to see them, so um, I, I love working with airplane owners, and I it it definitely helps me because it helps me to have to communicate what I'm trying to teach, and then also it I think it helps them along in their journey of knowing more about the airplane. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, going back to your courses that you have online and the and the podcast, you can learn so much uh, from this. Like you just talked about that th- those individuals. Uh, there's many other great episodes, but it's not just maintenance. Um, I think from an aircraft owner standpoint, if you're trying to make decisions like what airplane to actually purchase, uh, you did a great show mm-hmm. about the twin Cessna or Beach uh, Baron that you should I buy. Uh, those are the type of things you're going to see. It's not just about maintenance, but uh, it's about the aircraft in purchasing an aircraft and being an owner on that. And there's there's so much more to this show than than the the maintenance focus. But that's I'd say like ninety percent is all maintenance. Yeah, I'd there. say a large portion of it is. Um, but I tell you what, I um, I'm always lo- looking for the adventures that go along with aviation. And so when you said that, my my mind went back <laughs> to that episode where I did the one that I called it upside down in an RV seven. And so I'm always always looking for those adventures. Oh, yeah. In fact, I was thinking uh, <laughs> I was in the shop there this afternoon. And I was thinking through the fact that I was going to have a chance to talk with you this evening. And somehow this little acronym came to my mind. And uh, uh, so I, I tried to put it in an order that it would make a, some kind of word. It's FAMS, F-A-M-S. And here's what I realized as I, I was thinking this through. So the F is flying. The A is adventure. 
the M is maintenance, and the S is service. If you can combine flying, adventure, maintenance, and service, to me, that is just a fantastic combination for all kinds of inspiring fun. Yeah, it sure is, and I, and that's what we, you get from the show. I mean, from from your show and all these other aviation podcasts out there, they're really great. But um, but one of the things I really like about yours is that you are so inspirational when you talk about these things, and you make it so much fun. And and I get to learn something, and Absolutely. I get to have fun, which I think is cool. Just like you said, in the fams. I think that's a great acronym they came up with. Um, going back to something we said earlier, okay. so and I know okay, I get sure. feedback on this, so I want to clarify one thing. We talked a li- <laughs> we talked a little bit about uh safety wiring and that course on safety wiring and i'm gonna get i know i'm gonna get an email i can't you can't safety wire you can't do anything like that um when you put this course together in the airplane owner maintenance uh safety wire like a pro and i think it's really cool and i liked your intro video and everything what what can you do as an owner when it comes to safety wiring because everybody uh, well, tells okay. you, you can't do it so in my mind i um Maybe this is something I need to learn more about, but in my mind, when the FAA puts together a list of items that they are approving you to do, a number of these items, they require safety wiring. So to me, I would, in my mind, it's just been an, an understood part of that task. Let's say, for example, you're going to change your oil and you are going to change the oil filter. So to do that, you have to cut the safety wire off, and then you remove the filter, cut it open, and inspect it for any abnormalities, and then you're going to install a new filter, torque it, and then you have to put the safety wire back on. If you are approved to do that complete task by the FAA, then in my mind, an understood part of that is safety wiring. So that, that's been my take on that. Mm-hmm. Sure, and that's uh, and it's it's something that you know you have to look into when you're doing maintenance on your aircraft. If you don't feel comfortable, if you want to get more clarification, you just ask. Uh, sometimes it's it's the uh, the easiest way to do that um, is to go to the local you know FISDO and even ask those questions because they'll clarify for you. Because don't take our word for any of this. I mean, whenever we're talking about anything on this podcast, you have to reach Absolutely. out, and you have to do some research yourself, and say, "Hey, can I do this?" But uh, but you'd be surprised at how much you can do uh, with a mechanic. And the other thing that uh, I think a lot of folks. They asked too, and I'm, we're going to probably get this question: Is how can I get involved with doing an annual inspection? You know, I see my buddy in the hangar next to me, and he's got his mechanic friend with him, and he's doing the the quote unquote owner assisted annual. What is what does that really mean in real life? Because uh, uh, is that something that you can do? Can you actually absolutely assist you inspection? can assist, and it will be a learning process. And so, when if this is something that you are hoping to to do for the very first time, then something you might keep in mind is that you're probably not going to save much money the first time around. In fact, you might slow your mechanic down a bit. So in thinking about getting started, one of the first things that you could do for sure is to open the inspection panels and that type of thing. If you are around, you might also be in the airplane when the pre-inspection run-up is being done so that you can see what your inspector is looking for. Uh, that can be a very educational thing. Uh, as far as during the annual inspection, it depends on how, how comfortable you are with some of the tasks. Those items that are on that preventive maintenance list that an owner can do, they are typically done as part of the annual inspection also. So that would be certainly some items that you can do while the airplane is being inspected. Right, right. And those are the kind of things that I think people don't realize is that assisting with the annual can run the price up, but it sure works. Absolutely. It, uh, I think, because you're going to learn so much. Um, and, and just being there with the with the mechanic right there doing that annual inspection. Again, you want to become more involved in your airplane because that's how we learn. You know, one thing that I've learned out of you know all this whole aviation world is yes. there is so much out there that we need to learn. And we... 
can never know everything. There's some people with a vast amount of knowledge. You talked about Mike Bush and all great diagnostician. Uh, we have people that are out there that like yourself, they're great communicators in aviation and aviation maintenance that let us understand what's happening uh, with our airplane and also understand what to look for. And I think that's terrific, but everybody has their talents out there. And that's, what's so wonderful about this aviation community is the fact that they like to share that. And, uh, and I think you're hitting it out the park. That's for sure with this podcast and also with everything else you do uh, in aviation with the courses, with the guide that we were talking about, but the Borg scope guide, um, because it, it makes someone like myself and I'll be honest with you. And I think I've said this on the podcast a few times, you know, I've always dreamed of becoming a mechanic. Um, cause I love to do that stuff. And, you know, when I was a kid, I, you know, a kid being, you know, 16, 17, oh, yeah. a truck and worked in a shop and all. And I always thought that it was so out of my range to ever be into an aviation mechanic. And now, yeah, I realize I can do it. It's a lot of time, obviously, but there are ways that you can do it as a civilian. And this is kind of a plug for a future show that Dean's going to come on. You know, I have the sister podcast, Aviation Careers Podcast. And we're going to talk about, yeah, you as a civilian. A lot of people think that they have to be a military mechanic to get their license, just like people thought with their flying airplanes. That's not true. Most of the mechanics I run into uh, out in the shops uh, are civilian trained. And I think, Dean, we talked offline and you found that too. So I can't wait to to have you on the other show to talk about the career aspect of it. Oh, yes, um, I do. Obviously yeah, I really you know. do. Um, and the, the podcasting <laughs> end of it has just taken yeah. it to a whole new level. And going to Oshkosh, um, that was just fantastic. So, yes. So the Oshkosh experience. My first, my first um, time there. Yep. That was your first time there at Oshkosh? Yeah. And you were a presenter at Oshkosh. So oh my what goodness. was your impression of Oshkosh? Oshkosh was the absolutely most amazing aviation event I have ever attended in my life. No doubt about it. And I was hearing there was a record attendance this year. I can't remember if it was... 600 or 800 and some thousand people attended that event, but it, it so far exceeded my expectations. Just an absolutely phenomenal event, so well run, organized, and one of the biggest keys for me was I had an opportunity to go with 10 other guys from the Shenandoah Valley here. We went in three airplanes, and they already had lines up a house this couple that owns the house across from whitman field they leave for the week and rent their house to us so i that was one of the keys was to go with guys who had been there before it would have been so overwhelming otherwise but yeah i I didn't know what to expect honestly i filled out that paperwork to see if they would let me present something about borescoping and at one point i had sort of given up because i didn't I, i thought well okay maybe they didn't pick me this time and maybe another year well then not long after that i got this email and I didn't know what to expect. I would thought maybe somewhere between maybe five and 50 people might show up. And I would say when it started, there was probably 40-some uh, or maybe close to 50 people there. It was such a blast because those people were very, very interested in learning about that. And I just had such a great time with those people. Very, very, very significantly involved people it's just amazing that you can talk about such a small niche topic and have that many people interested in it it's just amazing and and there are hundreds of presentations there so whatever you're interested in if it's aviation you can find it at oshkosh for sure Well, that's a good summary of what Oshkosh is, that's for sure. And I can't wait to get over there, and uh, hopefully this year I'll be able to do it. I always run into a problem. The job that I have is, you know, in the airline pilot okay. world, we, that's like one of our busiest months, so uh, they tend, tend to not let me uh, to, off the hook there. But I definitely want to see you there, but we definitely want to do more in the future uh, with you, Dean, have you back on to talk about some of these other instances we've had. Uh, and we'd love to use you as a re- resource, but what's next for, for Dean? show walter as far as uh the show and what's coming up uh do you want to maybe plug something in a future podcast episode or maybe i a future am course planning that to together? put together a a course to teach airplane owners about borescoping i've seen the need for this and so i i i just <laughs> think and i mean down to the okay so the one that i recommend comes in this really nice aluminum metal box 
And when you open that thing up, you look at the pieces and parts in there, and your question is, what do I plug in where, and how do I make this thing work? So one of my videos would be about how to do that, how to take the pieces out of the box, put them together, and and then it'll go into what we're looking for when we stick the borescope in the cylinder, and pictures of exhaust valves, and, and then we're, we will be also talking about the different levels of a burning exhaust valve because some of them some of them are not an immediate danger perhaps but by the way don't take my word for that either just clear that with your local mechanic every time for sure but some burning exhaust valves are in more urgent condition than others so we'll be talking about the different levels of that and so yeah that's something that is on my close radar and uh, maybe you can help me with this one. I, I also have a vision for beyond airplane owners. I, I have seen that there is such a need to take this training into maintenance shops as well. So if I can somehow get connected with some maintenance shops, uh, maybe some A&P schools who would let me come in and do like a one-day seminar and show about borescoping because when I went through A&P school years ago, we had precious little training about borescoping, especially for piston engines. So that's something that I would like to develop and make available in the future. Well, gosh, I think we could definitely uh, help you there, and I'm sure there's people listening that could help you also. And Obviously, if uh, someone's listening and they have questions for you, the stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. They also can find you on your website. The best way, I think, to get in touch with the yes, airplane you can owner. Go there, and Is if, that you, the best way if you want to leave me a voice message, I always love to hear people's voices. I have a little tab on the side of the page. You can just click that and record me a little voice message. Um, but you can always send me an email, dean at airplaneownermaintenance.com. Um, so, yeah, all those ways are great. So, yeah, yeah. All those ways are great. Awesome. Dean, this has been awesome having you on the show. I know we have to close up here, um, but uh, one of the things that I really want to leave people with the impression, I know we kind of talked a lot about different things. We could have really you know, dove in deep on some of these issues, is that you can find those things that we talked about, the cursory level, as a deep dive on his podcast. Uh, and there's some really neat things you will learn from those experiences, and that's why we listen to these. It, and also, there's the fun part. It's the adventure, and there's so many cool adventure stories that you do have on there too not only will you learn you'll have fun just like we do here at stuck mike avcast is having fun and also just uh, don't forget in the future we're going to talk a little bit about careers on the other show um but remember this is that you know there's so many people that are passionate about aviation their mechanics everybody out there and obviously dean's one of them and you know reach out to them they'll you know you'd be surprised once you start asking like we talked about and ask the right questions and just be curious, and it's how you approach them. Say, hey, you know, I really want to know more about this, and I don't understand. People want to help you. You know, there are so many people out there want to help you, just like Dean's doing with his podcast out there. And uh, we really, really appreciate, you know, what you've done with this. And, uh, you know, big supporters here at Stuck Mike Avcast uh, of the podcast there. So, again, Dean, thanks so much. Excellent. And we can't wait well, to Carl, hear you on thank you episodes. so much for the privilege of talking with you this evening. And by all means, uh, Get in, I, I, I want to encourage you people out there to, to get in touch with Carl because I, I think a lot of times people have this idea that we get covered up with feedback and emails and all that. Uh, I'm not covered up yet, so if you want to contact me, please do so. Always love to hear from people. And Carl, thank, thank you so much for all you're doing. Awesome, in, in awesome. All your <laughs> podcasting and all of you guys there on the Stuck Mike podcast. I, I really appreciate what you're doing for general aviation. Yeah. Well, thanks, and, and we appreciate everybody else that's listening that's just as passionate about aviation because without the listeners, uh, we wouldn't be a podcast, and uh, we really appreciate what Dean has done and all of you have done for aviation and promoting it. 
It really is this incredible community, aviation, and we truly are doing this because we we love it. And one of the things that's wonderful, it's this one community that brings so many different types of people together, whether it's in an Oshkosh, a Sun and Fun, through the podcasting. What's really cool is you can reach out and touch each of these people that are out there, just like Dean said, just just ask and and you'll get an answer you know we're not we're, we're just people just like you uh we're just behind this microphone right now and we'd love to hear back from you well folks we really appreciate you listening don't forget we did start the the patreon account there it's uh you can click on it on the side every dollar that's uh, excuse me ten dollars that's given through the patreon we give away one scholarships guide that's not just for students that are learning to go on in careers it's also for you that wants to get an additional rating etc have over 50 million dollars in scholarships there and it helps us bring this podcast to you. Well, folks, safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. And I really encourage you to get out there and listen to this podcast, AirplaneOwnerMaintenance.com. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production. Thank you.